This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 329. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you here. We have a wonderful show today focused on that all-important skill of coaching the person and not getting fixated on the problem. Before we go there, I want to do a thank you shout out to my brother. I think that we have the opportunity to learn all the time from all different avenues My brother is an incredible support and uh, a fan of the show and and actually even some of the teachers that work with him in Las Vegas and administrators listen to the show. So shout out to uh, Patrick and all of his colleagues. Thank you for being listeners. This is what my brother taught me. My brother is a mathematics teacher. He um, is an academic coach. And he said to me, Meg, you have got to change this before it drives me crazy. When you lead into your show, you say something like episode 327. He said, there is no and unless there's a decimal. So I am now going to concentrate on saying my episodes without the and because I now know from my brother that and is not the appropriate way to say a number. Who knew? Many of you may have known that. I did not know that. So in the lead in for this show, you'll hear that it is episode 329. Next week will be 330. And hopefully I will remember moving forward. So thank you, Patrick, for educating your sister and for being such a support. So let's talk about the show this week. This week is um, an incredibly important show. I talk to the coaches that I work with all the time about the importance of not getting fixated on the problem as the coach, but actually to keep your eyes and your attention on the client. What is, how is the client engaging with the situation? And what do they want to do about it? How can we empower the person rather than getting caught up in fixing for them the problem? So my guest today is Dr. Marshall Reynolds. She literally wrote the book on the topic. Marsha was our guest in episode 40, where we talked about emotional intelligence. Well, it certainly has been way too long. We needed to have her back on the show again to um, share her expertise with us. Marsha is actually the author of several books. She is a master certified coach. She helps coaches and leaders make every conversation a difference-making experience. She's provided coaching and training in 41 countries. She's recognized by Global Gurus as the number five coach in the world. 
and is just so generous and warm about bringing her work forward and sharing with coaches so that we can all increase the mastery of our coaching and engage in more transformational partnerships with our clients. So in addition to the book, uh, Coach the Person, Not the Problem, Marsha also has written Outsmart Your Brain, The Discomfort Zone, and Wonder Woman. So with that, I know you are going to just eat this interview up with a spoon. Let's go to my interview with Dr. Marsha Reynolds. Dr. Marsha Reynolds, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you, Meg. Nice to be here. Good to have you back. You were an early guest of mine under a hundred episodes, somewhere in there in the first 100 episodes you came, you were kind enough to come talk about emotional intelligence. And now we're at over 300 shows and I absolutely had to have you back. You wrote a fabulous book on coach the person, not the problem, a guide to reflective inquiry that absolutely touches on like everything I believe in for coaching. Of course, I had to have you here to talk about these things. So so listeners, strap on your seatbelts, get ready to just learn, 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 and be challenged in the way that you think about some of these aspects of coaching that Marsha has done a beautiful job laying out for us and is kind enough to talk to us about today. So Marsha, let's start with the concept of What is reflective inquiry? Most of the time when I write my books, it's based on that I'm seeing some real problems out there that need to be addressed. And over and over, it seemed like so many coaches were getting stuck in what's the powerful question I'm supposed to ask here and trying to remember. And so they're coaching from their memory and not their presence. And I was, you know, that I was a part of the original competency creation way back yeah, you, you know, are a pioneer in the coaching yeah, industry. In the 1900s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I know that we had never intended for coaching just to be about asking questions. And even when people complained about coaching, coaching, what value is that? You're just asking questions. I'm like, no, we're not. So much of coaching is about just allowing the person to listen to their thinking. Which So when I summarize back to them what I hear, and, and it's usually a very succinct, clear summarization, and we're like, oh, yeah, that is what I said. And they start to question themselves, and they can hear their thinking in a way they cannot do on their own. And so the reflection, the summarizing, the paraphrasing, the let me just make sure that I understand you nam- named a couple of things, and which of those is most important? Or like I did a demo this morning and I was saying, so is it that you want to know how to do something or you're trying to understand what would be most valuable for the people? And she said, oh, I know how to do it. It, It's it's what is most valuable. I just don't know what would motivate them. It, It moved us into the conversation. So I was just sharing back what I heard. And that's the great value of coaching. To me, the question is just a follow on 
to the to the statement and it usually just naturally comes out did you mean this what do you mean by that how important is that to you but it's but the reflective inquiry is reflection plus inquiry right that so many coaches forget or they weren't even taught the power of the reflection so instead of reflection, it ends up coming out, if it's there at all, as parroting. And parroting back oh, wow. exactly what you're hearing is not no. reflection. And I, what mm-hmm. I find, and I'm wondering, is that often that happens, particularly with a new coach, because they don't know where they want to yeah. go. So what they end up yeah. doing instead is telling the client back everything that they yeah. just said. And right. that that's not a way to move the client forward. No. What should we do instead? Well, this is where presence comes into play because people often ask me, how did you know just to use those words? And it's like the more present I am, the more I can pick up what are the key words? What is it that they really want here or mean here? It, it's almost an intuitive sense. Mm-hmm. People often say, what were you thinking at that moment? I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't remember. And I wasn't probably wasn't even thinking at all. I was just receiving mm-hmm. what they were giving me. And within that, you you get the the essence of what they mean. And you offer that back with their words. Right. Or something that really encapsulates it. And you but it's still an invitation. Do you mean this? Right. And let them go from there. So, yeah, I know uh, I would rather have them pair it than not do it at all. But <laughs> right. But you get better at getting the key things out mm-hmm. of what they said just by being present. And you don't have to, like, write it down. Right. Just it sticks there. And then you offer it back if you're present and you're right. not analyzing and thinking about it. And as you kind of grow in the art there's certain words or certain energies that just bubble to the top. They're the most yeah. obvious to maybe yeah. selectively yeah. reflect back or the things that just right. tell you in your gut that this is maybe something to offer or hold up again. Mm-hmm. And, 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 mm-hmm. and so yeah, the other thing that you said about reflection that I really want people to hear is that you're sort of offering that back. Not yeah. in a, this is what you mean kind you of said, thing. But yeah, is this, yeah, yeah. This so is, I heard you y- say this. Yeah. It's always an invitation. Yes. Yeah. You know, because again, recognizing even when they hear what they say, then they'll, they will see that's not what they mean. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it's not quite that, you know, or boy, that was, that's, that was an old thought. What I really want is this. So you're just saying, so. So let me just get it right. This is what I, again, the summary, this is what I heard you say. Is that right for you? You know, how are you, how, how do you, how are you experiencing what I just shared? I'm wanting to get their experience, their reaction to see if that's what they want to own or do they want to change it? So, yeah. (laughs) And so really that comes into that concept of, do we really believe that we are a partner in this experience mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. our client is a full partner in the experience with us? And so that takes right. me to one of the things that you did in your book that really resonated with me 
um, was that throughout the book, when you were talking about different concepts, you would say, so here's three tips for that, mm-hmm. or here's three tips for that. And that concept of really maintaining the belief in our clients is one of your three tips for this, you know, how to coach to the person, not to the problem. What does that look like? And and you talked about three tips to do that. And I thought maybe we could visit those. It starts with kind of setting the expectation. What would you tell us about setting the expectation? Well, there's two things. This comes back to kind of the agreement that we're trying to do. So even in the overall relationship, there's always a setting the expectation of what the coaching is going to be. Otherwise, in their mind, what they think is coaching may not be the same as what you offer, and then you have a problem. So you want to come to an agreement of what the coaching is going to be, what we will focus on, how it's going to roll out up front. But even in each session, the where the the being that I'm with them at the very beginning, even that I am here with you. What is your greatest challenge? What is it that we want to work on today? And then to keep unfolding it into what will it look like when you get, when you achieve what you want? So like, even like I said, I did a demo this morning. It rolled three times (laughs) into really getting into what is it that you really want to create here that's important to you. It kept kind of unfolding and changing. Once we get that, then that becomes really the expectation in the sense of I'm going to keep you on track. One of the things about coaching is it is a spontaneous interaction between two people, but it's also my job to be very firm in keeping it on track. You know, it's our job to hold that structure. Absolutely. And so if they start to go over here, I'm going to say, okay, now you've kind of moved over here. Do you want to rechange the focus or not? Or do you, are we still working on, on this? So there is a, that balance of allowing flow Mm -hmm. and structure that must be maintained by the coach. So I do explain that again back in the original contract. If, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. So there is that expectation that when I come in and I ask a very direct question like that, they're okay with it because right. they know that's what I'm doing. It's your job. It's your. It's what they can expect from you because you want them to be able to experience the most they can from the session. And if you mm-hmm. allow them to go hither and yawn and we never get to the right. destination, are they real? Are you really holding up your side of the partnership? Right. And again, coming back to that word expectation, so they know that it is going to be a balance of flow and structure. That sometimes I'm, I'm going to come in and, and direct them back or to a new path. And, and, and while we're coaching, the question I may ask may be a tough one. (laughs) So there isn't a, I'm not doing therapy. I'm not being nice. I'm not there to make them feel better (laughs) that we know exactly where we're going together and who I am as their coach. So that's the first, we're going to set those expectations. And that Mm -hmm. leads beautifully into the second tip, which is about maintaining your belief in who the client is and what they're bringing to the table. Tell us more about that. Yeah. 
I love that way back in the initial definition of coaching with the ICF that we said the client is creative, resourceful, and whole. And that doesn't come from a particular coaching school, although some of them use it. It was actually comes from Alfred Adler, who's considered the father of modern day psychology. He was the first to say, we are working with whole resourceful people because he was breaking from Freud, who said, we're all messed up. Right, right. No, (laughs) we just get caught in our thinking and patterns in a way that doesn't serve us. But we're whole resourceful people. So if I can tap into that whole resourcefulness of this human in front of me, I can help them see what's getting in their way. And then as soon as they get it, they can move on. In fact, I, in this, I'm writing a new book and I said, oftentimes the awareness is a, is a duh moment that the moment they go, oh, Right. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. almost like it was you know, right there, but yeah, I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. Because I was avoiding it or it just when I was looking over here and didn't see it. And so I, they're a smart person. I just need to open their thinking up a little bit and they'll get it. Mm-hmm. They'll get it. And I, and I treat them like that. I believe in them. I'm not there again to fix them or heal them or any of that. I'm their thinking partner and I respect them. And they know it. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really, really important concept for coaching mm-hmm. that we stay in that space. I do believe that when we come from a place of rescuing or it's okay because I know better anyway, even if it's that, that whole, that is going, that is received from the other person. That message is received, even if it's under the radar well, and we don't know. I'm judging you as inadequate then. Right. And I know that somewhere that's coming in. Yeah, exactly. And that I know better than you. So I'm either going to get ticked off by that or I'm going to get compliant with that. Like, oh, okay, you handle it. Let's do a little learned helplessness here. You fix it, coach. Yeah, yeah. Even this morning when I said to her at one point, I, I, it was clear. We were coming to the point where it was clear what you needed to do. And I just said, okay, I'm going to ask you a leading question. How are you going to find out that information? And she goes, oh, I guess I have to go ask for them. So even that, that I knew the answer and I knew that she could get it. I even said, okay, I'm going to ask you a leading question. And she, we both laughed and she said, yeah, okay, I need to go ask them. So I still allowed her to say it. Right. Right. Even, Even though, though it was the elephant in front of us, yeah. she needed to say, yeah, love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we set expectations. We maintain our belief that our clients are whole and resourceful. And what's the third, the third tip that you give in, in the, about shifting? I don't, you know what, you have to tell me. Oh, okay. So, so know when I to, sh- I know you have so many tips in there. <laughs> it's know when to shift from the situation into coaching the person. Okay. I, there's so much more that I'm even writing about that, that it's never about the problem and how to do it. It's to me, the more I coach, the more I see that coaching is an identity based situation. It's once they shift who they are in that scenario, they know what it is they need to do. We don't have to look at the steps, you know, so like you and I were talking about leaders before we came on this call. 
when I get a leader that's really struggling with engaging people, I don't ask them, what did you do? I said, just define leadership to me, define leadership. And then, well, how do you think those people are defining leadership? What's the, where's the conflict? You know, who, who do they need to be? What do they, who do they need to step into and become in order to be the leader that other people will respect? Once we do that, they know, then it's easy to do the how to. So when we're looking at, here's what you want to create and always then we go, immediately go to, so what's getting in the way? I mean, coaching is about what is it you want that you don't have and what's getting in the way of you achieving that? What needs to be addressed? What needs to be resolved? Well, see, so you see, I did not say, so what do you need to do right. to achieve that? It's what needs to be addressed or resolved. And, you know, it it's almost always my thinking about the situation, how I'm seeing it, how I'm relating with others, how I'm evaluating myself of who I am and what I think I'm supposed to be doing. Those are the things that get in the way. And once we can really look at that, again, then it's how. So it's not that we're not addressing the problem. The problem is still the overarching challenge, but it's who is the person being and the in relation to the people around them that really needs to be looked into to have them understand what they need to, who they need to be differently, mm-hmm. which will direct who they need, what they need to do. Right. I love the idea of as you ask your client how they're engaging with the situation, they might be all wrapped up in their eyes on the in the situation. But if my Mm -hmm. eyes are on them and asking them to consider the way Mm -hmm. that they are impacted by the situation, engaging with the situation, whatever. Yeah, their focus is going to be the problem. But we don't both need to be in there poking the bear and and around the I want to understand how what their experience is with that situation. And like you said, what what's that experience like for them and how they want what they need, what they want, how their values impact that, how their beliefs, all those different things versus, yeah. oh, let's get in there and make a schedule for how often you're going to go to the gym or yeah. whatever it is. that, that you know. What didn't work before, yes. what could work differently. That's yeah. problem solving. They can do that on their own. Right. <laughs> exactly. You were talking in in the book about how you were talking with a coach who said, Mike, I don't have time to like do that. I My clients hire me because I've got great advice and I'm going to get in there and give them advice. And because that's what and and what? Yes. I, what I want to ex- focus on is, yeah, there's lots of different kinds of conversations that we can have with people and they mm-hmm. all bring. I can do teaching mm-hmm. and that brings value mm-hmm. and mentoring brings value and consulting brings value and coaching is different than those things. So mm-hmm. one of the things that you said in the book is when I don't give in to my urge to advise, mm-hmm. beautiful things happen. So we all mm-hmm. have that writing reflex. We all have that mm-hmm. urge to advise. But when you mm-hmm. really stay in the place of those three tips you just talked about and really partnering with the client. What are some of the beautiful things that happen? Yeah. Well, Meg, it does go back to that, that urge to advise is my judgment. I'm judging they don't know they're inadequate, they're weak or whatever. And, and as you said, the only options then are either they resist me or they comply. So when I don't do that, 
And they have either the profound breakthrough moment or the duh, well, yeah, I should have known that moment. <laughs> it's, it's visceral, that right? That whole, oh, that pop in their brain. The, I see it differently now. And, and to me, that's the magical moment that leads to what's next. Now, you can't just leave it there. Because it's like, oh, okay, now I see. Okay. And, and, and a lot of coaches will then, oh, okay, great. So what did you learn? And they wrap <laughs> so it up. have a good day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. And, and, and even the, so what will you now do? Even if it's one step or even if it's, I need to go think about it. When might you do that? But the critical questions after that, that coaches often forget is it's not just what could get in the way of you doing this. But if it didn't turn out, if you, you went and you tried and it didn't turn out had you had hoped, what will you do? And this is a critical question because especially when somebody's like, oh, I'm going to go in there with confidence into the meeting or you know, all of a sudden then they're excited about who they can be. But then it, it, they feel awkward and, and it doesn't quite work mm-hmm. that they will judge themselves as a failure unless you ask them in the coaching, if it doesn't quite work, you like, you think it, you're hoping it at the best it would be, but it comes out not quite the best. What will you then do? So you give them the opportunity to know that growth happens in steps and not leaps often. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? And sometimes we take two fall back one, take two, fall back one. That's okay. But that, and then the final question is, so when you go in and you're going to be full of confidence, or you're going to make the request, or you're going to handle this, set the boundary, see yourself, who are you being in that moment, which really integrates the shift. Oh, I'm going to becoming, be, or I am becoming this person, not just what I'm doing, but who I'm being. So I'm in this new book I'm writing, the final chapter to me is the most significant chapter of the the importance of how we close it out, that we include those elements. It's not just a couple of questions I always ask and 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 that's it. There's a real way of embedding the aha moment that they had that embeds what they will do and who they will be that ensures the growth. It really takes it from just transactional to let's make this transformational. Let's absolutely well said. Well said. That leads me to another one of my favorite quotes in your book, which is people need to feel seen, heard, and valued to have a desire to grow. Yeah. You know, that Meg actually comes from way back even before I was a coach. I ran training departments in large companies and and I, I can't even say where I first read it, but but the whole thing is is that if you don't see me, then I'm not engaging with you. And not only see me and hear me and understand me, but you value what I give. Even if I'm a brand new employee and I know nothing, <laughs> I'm still a, a contributor. I still have something to share and to add. And when you make me feel that way, then I will open up to you. I will feel safe with you, not judged, mm-hmm. willing to be vulnerable, and I will engage. 
you know, and so that goes not just for coaching, that goes for every conversation right. that we have, that if we can do that, then we're elevating people, even with just how we're being with them, you know, and then it makes it easier to move into the conversation. I love that. One of the things that that strikes me around this whole concept of coaching the person versus the problem mm-hmm. is how reflective inquiry, how holding up the mirror, making a reflection, having Mm -hmm. the person hear their words back again, Mm -hmm. and then maybe leading forward with sometimes just the reflection takes the, and not just like minimizing, but a reflection or will, will take the, the brain back in, give the client more to think about and go deeper in the conversation. And sometimes we follow up with a question, Mm -hmm. but each of those things is like, focused on the client and trusting that the client can engage with the situation that they're working with based upon like, what what is a key thing that they might need to hear back again? So you said none of us can transform our thinking on our own. We Mm -hmm. use reflective statements plus a question Mm -hmm. to help Mm -hmm. somebody reflect, how am I really thinking about this? You know, Mm -hmm. how often does something sound really brilliant in our head? Mm-hmm. And then we say it out loud. And then we have a coach who kind of reflects some of that back to us. Just, mm-hmm. I guess, when we think about coaching the person, what is your years of experience sort of brought forward to you about this process and how this process mm-hmm. is so different than just being a question asking machine? Boop, yeah. boop, boop. <laughs> Lots of stuff in that question. Yeah. So let me just say that in the late 1980s, so I'm going to age myself here, I got my second master's degree in in adult learning because I was, all of a sudden was running training departments in this big tech company, and I needed to know how do people change and grow and learn. Well, it sent me off on this quest. I got to figure this out. You know, and I learned how to design instruction. Okay, that's nice, and people like my classes, but the retention of learning wasn't great. So I kept going to workshops and, and you know, reading things and, and making my classes better. And everyone loved the classes, gave me happy faces. But as soon as it got awkward, they went back to old behavior. So it was actually, you when you talk about serendipity, the day I left, I resigned from my last company. Somebody sent me this article on this new thing called coaching. It was the end of 1995. I'm like, okay. Hmm, this sounds interesting. And all it took for me was to watch one demonstration of coaching. And I said, okay, there's something else here. So, but I needed to understand it because this is my sign, my, I'm a behavioral scientist. And so I, and at the same time, it was about a year later when emotional intelligence came out. And so I'm like, okay, I need to know how this is different in the brain from just telling people what to do. So, I mean, eventually that's what led me to getting my my doctoral degree was I needed to understand, you know, the learning. And I see coaching as a learning technology. It's not a therapy. It's how we learn. Mm-hmm. And that's when I ran into this new science called the neurosciences, because the how we think and the, the ability to scan the brain and understand that didn't happen until 1995. So it's a new science. So I was learning along with everyone else. And that's when I started getting into the whole thinking processes. We get stuck in thinking patterns and there's no way for us to think outside of that. 
because the brain's primary function is to protect you. And it's easier to feel safe in old behavior, even though you know it doesn't serve you, than to step into the unknown. So I may rationalize what I do really well and think it's brilliant, you know, but that's only to keep me safe from taking and and my brain actually will stop me from doing a thorough analysis if there's any emotions evolved of my own thinking. So what the neuroscientists say is that you have to have someone outside of you, a, an external thought disruptor to reflect back what you're saying so you can see your thoughts out here Okay, instead of in here, we can't do it in here. Right. But I can do it out here. And as you said, even the articulation of my thought out loud is is going to help me to be able to parse it out and find the gaps in the logic and the crazy old beliefs that don't it's like where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah. How long have I, I been carrying that, that around? Yeah. Yeah, I can't do that myself. And so it's such a gift that we give people that ability to actually observe their thinking. I can't observe it on my own, but I can do it with you. And that's the really the foundation, the power of coaching. So I don't need to tell you what to do. I'm just helping you observe your thoughts. That's it. Yeah. Well, and and yet I need to partner with you to observe your thoughts because it's it's a partnership necessity versus being able to just be doing that on our own. So, so good. So many things that we could just continue to talk about. I know that you are a busy lady and and I'll just have to have you back because you have a, another yeah. book coming out as well. As we wrap up our time together today, one of the things I would just ask is if people want to know more about you, this is one of your books. You have another book. We'll have links for all your books in, in the show notes. How would you want people to connect with you? My website is covisioning, one word, covisioning.com. Everything I do and how to con- contact me is there. Beautiful. Um, and so that's the best way. Um, and we will definitely have a link for that in the show notes yeah. as well. Right. Dr. Marsha Reynolds, thank you for taking time to explore this incredibly important aspect of what we do as coaches and how to how to do it even better. And I appreciate the work that you've done in the industry and for sharing just a little bit of that with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Great conversation. I hope that was as useful to you as it was to me spending time with Marsha and exploring this topic of coaching the person not the problem, and being a more engaged, full-on partner with our clients. My conversation with Marsha continues in the member community. If you are in a place where you would like to grow your skills, continue to focus on building a thriving business, and break the isolation that often happens with solopreneurs, I invite you to explore what the Star Coach community can bring to you and your business and your confidence. So go to starcoachshow.com and explore the membership. If you want to know more about Dr. Marsha Reynolds and the work that she does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 329, starcoachshow.com slash 329, 
and connect with the links that she supplied to learn more about her. Now, next week, I am welcoming Dr. Stephen Goodwin to the show. We're going to talk about how you can expand a already existing consulting business and make it so much richer by adding coaching to your skill set. So enhance your consulting business with coaching and come back next week when I'm visiting with Dr. Stephen Goodwin about that very thing. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.